Art of Visuals community and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. What's happening, AOV community? Welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. Today's guest is Andy Tu. He is a incredible content creator based out of New York City, originally from Oakland, California, holding it down for the Bay Area. Bay Area. <laughs> Bay Area always. Andy, my dude, welcome to the show, man. What's happening? Man, it's so good to be on here. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Bro, it's all love. I can't believe so you and I, man, long story short, we've been chopping it up like the last hour before we even started yeah. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I finally had to pull the plugs, man. I could sit here all night long, uh, just <laughs> chopping chopping it up with Andy, just talking life and art and just everything, man. Self development and just everything bro so i'm super blessed to have you on the show today we have a special episode we are going to not do kind of the traditional format which is still very much so conversational but it, it, you know it kind of the conversations normally rely heavily on photography and, and travel and kind of like the pretty stuff and sometimes we go into some of the deeper stories and things like that but you know andy you have such a powerful story and you've already just, you've accomplished so much. You have so much to say and so much to share that I was like, we have to, we have to tell your story. <laughs> and you, and then you and I chopped it up. Right. And yeah. I think we both came to the conclusion that like now's a perfect time to, to really yeah. get into it and, and tell the, the, the story, man, from the hood to the universe, to the universe too. Is yes, there the stars have aligned? Yeah, so, che- so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> the stars have aligned, but not even cheesy, bro. It's only cheesy if you say it's cheesy, dog. Um, you feel me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's 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 hop into this story, bro. So, yeah. Oakland, California, West Coast. For you guys that don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about. Oakland and what it was like growing up in Oakland, California as a, as a kid. Yeah. I was born in San Francisco, but raised in Oakland, California. It's Oakland's home. Oakland's everything. Uh, even though I'm living in New York now, I still have family in Oakland. A lot of my friends I grew up with are all in Oakland. And it's, it's paved me to be the person who I am today. I'm a huge believer in you are the product of your environment, your product of your surroundings. And where Oakland doesn't really get a positive light was pretty much during the late 80s, like early 90s, uh, going into like my teenage years. Uh, 
where there was a huge epidemic when it came to gun violence, gang violence, uh, drug violence. It was it was prominent throughout the streets, throughout conversations within families. It was just the norm. Looking at it now, you know, when I was living in it, I didn't really think anything much of it. It was just we learned things like street etiquette, such as like you know when you're when you're on my commute to school uh, to watch your back, you know, to to try to avoid these blocks because they'd be they'd be in straight gang ter- you know gang territory, and just to be conscious of those of those things so that you could survive. You know, I've seen, I've seen kids get robbed on the way to school, you know, had the shoes taken away, had to walk to school in socks. Like that was, that was my reality. And it's, it also has its like really beautiful parts like Merritt. We're so close to San Francisco. We got the dinos and we got Alameda, you know, there's Oakland has so much history. The black Panthers were found in, in, in Oakland, you know, the, uh, we have a, it's like a big ass melting pot, even though like the high school that I went to was pretty much 45% Mexican, 45% black and like 10% other. It didn't feel like I had never felt like I was another, I was just surrounded around, surrounded around people. Mm-hmm. And that's something I was taught at like a really young age is that, like, even though we may be, you know, different skin colors, we may look different in, in Oakland. It's like, you are, you are who you are. And that's something I've always appreciated. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And just for you guys that, you know, who may have never experienced a more challenging environment, it's, it's kind of like, I guess the best analogy would be, it's kind of like a video game. You know, when you're playing Mario, you understand there's, there's places you don't go. There's things you don't step on because if you step on them, you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you understand if you go into a certain area, there's going to be guys after you and different things like that. And that's kind of like what it's growing up in some of these more challenging environments. Like you can't, you can't just walk wherever you want. You can't wear whatever you want. You can't talk to whoever you want. There are rules on the streets in some of these environments. And so, you know, that's kind of what Andy was talking about there and 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 with that said um, I'm curious so we were chatting earlier and you were explaining to me that you're you know let's let's start with you six years old your parents Mm -hmm. sounded like your parents split up and and your grandmother really stepped in as a very prominent figure in your life yeah can you explain a little bit more about this era in your life yeah it was um yeah when I was six years old my parents separated and what they decided was that it'd be best if my grandparents raised me. Um, I was raised in a two-bedroom duplex um, in East Oakland, and I was living with probably six people at the time. It was my grandma, my grandpa, uh, me, my great-grandpa, my uncle in one room, and then my other uncle in another room. And... My my family came to the my family came to America uh, in the mid seventies late seventies after the Vietnam War, and my grandfather was uh, was in the Navy um, for the South Side of Vietnam, 
uh, who allied with America. So he was very tied into um, American policies and just having American connections. And that's sort of, I always like to pay tribute to my grandfather for bringing my family uh, to America. Mm. Because if it wasn't for him, none of us would actually be here. Right. And even though we did, when, when my family did come to America, they didn't have sunshine and rainbows um, on that journey. And it was it was it was a lot tougher for them than it was for me, uh, because they were still, you know, during their during their time, it was a it was a race it was a race war, and there were. I guess I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak too much I'm not gonna speak too much on it, but yeah I grew so I, I grew up I grew up in the two bedroom duplex and my family's on Section Eight housing. Uh, food stamps, the whole nine, uh, all government aid, and was still struggling some way, somehow. The hustle was so prominent within my household. Like, everybody had a job. Everybody went out and did something. They, you know, to provide to provide for our household, it was... When I was at a really young age, I was taught to fend for myself. It's kind of interesting to say because like a regular six years old i mean a regular six-year-old wouldn't be doing laundry i don't think so because i look at my little cousins and i look at you know Jalen's little cousins nowadays i mean well as of recently and they're like you know five six years old and i remember at that age i was doing laundry you know we had a washer and i would have to air dry it and then i had to my grandma you know taught me how to cook because she wouldn't be able to cook for me in the mornings because they, she had to go to work early and I had to walk to school. And that walk to school was probably the most terrifying thing ever. Like it was a half a mile, but I was walking through probably three different gang territories. And I was very fortunate to not really have people mess with me because my uncles sort of uh, laid it out to where I would be protected. So, it was like just just being in that environment and and being around the hustle at such a young age it it kind of just shifted my perception of of how i lived like everything everything i everything i was taught was about like bettering yourself and and trying to find a way to make ends meet and trying to find a way to contribute so when as i've gotten older I my first I remember my first job being washing cars. Uh, my uncle pretty much taught me to trade, you know, the skill first. Mm. So the skill was like washing the car, but not only just washing the car, like doing the details, like you know, washing the windows with newspaper and Windex, doing the inside, doing the details, vacuuming, those and then rims just right. yeah, and just when I thought I got everything done. They'd be like, "Oh, now we got to do the rims." And I'm like, "Oh, all this for for like ten dollars." But at the end of the day, for me, ten dollars got me a bag of chips, got me Arizona. It got you know for those of you guys who grew up in the hood, like you'd appreciate the big juicy, the four you know the four small bags of chips for a dollar, or even ten ten sour ropes for a dollar. Like that's that was paradise. That was like, dang, I worked so hard. You know, just to get this this $10 to go spend it at the corner store, just to, like, get some snacks or even just to, like, get some Taco Bell or, you know, some fast food. 
Like, that was a luxury for me growing up. Like, being able to have $5 to go to Taco Bell to get, to, you know, and, and then you get creative with it, right? You'd be like, oh, I could get two soft tacos, two hard tacos, and a drink. You know what I'm saying? Bro, like, it, <laughs> it was an experience, too. Like, it's it's so weird. I can totally relate. You know, looking looking back, it's so interesting how, you know, nowadays you're like, fast food? Like, I, like I'm straight. Yeah. But back then... Like getting Taco Bell was like it was like fine dining. It was like going to a restaurant, like because mm-hmm. we didn't go to restaurants, so that was yeah. like yeah. we got fast food. That was exciting. That was it. You know? And then you would work like you would think about it, like dang, if I work a little harder, maybe we could go to Applebee's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and even Applebee's nowadays, like nothing against Applebee's, but Applebee's is trash, bro. They heat. They put their foot in the microwave. No, like nothing against Apple. But there was a time. Been. But that's yeah. I think that's the beauty of growth, right? And and development. There was a time where those small things at the time were like huge things. Yeah. Yeah. And it 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 just it's crazy when like you you're put because like nobody ever asks for what families they're born into. Right, like nobody, nobody gets to choose their surroundings that they grow up in. They're just sort of given what they, you know, you're, you're given what you give. Like the, the given, how do you say it? The cards you play, the cards you're dealt. Yep. And I was just my, you know, even even going into school, like the Oakland Unified School District had one of the highest dropout rates in the county, and it was, it got it got to the point where like I was just living and, and I was influenced in so many different ways. I had a lot of, a lot of bad friends, but then later on in life, I also had a lot of good friends and it's, it's crazy how like, even when you could be like the most innocent person, um, in your, in your community, you could end up be like you could end up getting influenced in such a like in a bad way mm-hmm. and that's just and that's just based off of your surroundings and where you came from and i've sort of i've just like personally i've had this deep fascination of like where people came from where the upbringings and it's just it's just because i thought i i thought my i thought my upbringing was like crazy so i want to hear about like you know, some of the shit you've been through. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so I always end up like talking to people about like, you know, where'd you, you know, where'd you grow up? How was it growing up? And it's cool that we get to have this conversation and we get to, you know, sort of share that with your listeners now. Yeah. Because if you look at my content, if you look at my photos, my videos on YouTube, the places I've traveled to in hindsight, like I, I probably just look like I got, like a lot of money to travel and where did it all come from? But now we get to tell that story where it's like, nah, bro. Like I started from the mud. I know I'm, I'm grateful for all the opportunities that I, that I get now. Um, but it all came from, you know, section eight housing, mm-hmm. like just growing, just growing up in the shit and just thinking like nowadays I'm looking, I'm looking out right now. And I'm like, how, like, how the hell did I get here? I, I was not supposed to make it out of Oakland. I, 
I had all the odds against me. Going going into middle school, it was just I got into a lot of fights on the basketball court, especially because that was where I made all my friends. Like if I could bond with anybody over anything, it was it was basketball, it was sports. That was where I sort of found my sense of community growing up because my two best friends, uh, the Rogers, were my neighbors at the time. And I was the only Asian kid hanging out with all the black kids. And they they brought me to the park to play basketball like I was one of their brothers. And from that moment, I felt like I was a part of something. But I was always just that one Asian kid who could shoot on the perimeter. Right. That's and that's all I could do. I couldn't drive. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't handle the ball. But you know, sports have been but sports. You had your been, role. Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean, you you fit into the team. Andy could shoot. Exactly. Exactly. So that was like, but that's also what made me a lot more hard headed was because I had that confidence from my best friends growing up that I started talk. You know, I started talking shit on the courts when people said stuff to me. Mm. It was it was just. Like back then, like nobody could tell me anything. And that's one of my, that's something that I had to learn the hard way. Um, Transitioning into high school where I lost. So like there there are times, there are a lot of, there are multiple times in my life where I lost people. I lost my uncle in an early age, uh, shot and killed on New Year's Day. I lost my grandfather car accident and it's it's one of those things where like you know even after my parents leaving I thought like I hit rock bottom did you drop out of high school in ninth grade before all this or was this after this was going into going like uh sorry mid mid like in the middle of ninth grade Mm -hmm. I dropped out okay and at the time I was hanging out with the wrong crew Mm-hmm. hanging out with a, a multiple wrong crews. I I was like a chameleon uh when I was when I was growing up. I could f- I could put my I could I, I was really good at like hanging out with people and like adjusting to situations. But that also put me in really bad situations as well because I was very I was down. Like I was down to ride, which was at the time to the streets that's a good thing. If you got someone that's down, like someone's right, who's who's down to ride, then, you know, that's that's what they're looking for. That's loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I've always, my whole life, even with my family, once I consider you a brother, like I ride for you, even to my friends, my best friends to this day, like the people I look out for, I'll ride for mm-hmm. until the day I die, and that's just a code I live by. But it got me into a lot of trouble. So, got rang up. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna more or less. I was just gonna say <laughs> let's 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 talk about it, bro. Like so, you know your your grandmother's running the household now, and and we'll dive a little deeper into grandma here shortly. But that's a lot of people to support, and so right. obviously there was things that you had to to do for money, and you know what were you know what was what were some of those things that you had you know, that you did for money, and some of those things that you got into trouble doing. Yeah. So my, so my grandma, my grandma, when I was younger, looking back at it now, she was, she was an entrepreneur. She was working two full-time jobs. Well, 
one full-time job working at the restaurant. She was also working part-time um, cleaning up as a janitor uh, on the weekends or sometimes it would be like Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then she was also the egg roll lady. Like she was, she was, you know, people were coming to our house to order like 50 egg rolls at a time because my grandma just had that experience uh, working in a restaurant for so many years. And she's also, you know, plugged to my grandma, but she's also known for her in Vietnamese, it's called bacal. And that's like a beef stew. So like people would buy like a pot, a whole pot of beef stew from her. And that's, that's just something that I picked up on when I was younger. I was like, wait, how come my grandma's always working all the time? Even when she got back home to the house, she'd be working. She'd be buying supplies. She'd be preparing her orders. And it sort of just got me, it sort of just shifted my mindset to where like, I need to contribute to this household somehow. So after, after my grandfather passed away and I sort of didn't have any direction in my life, the one thing I was actually good at was selling things. So I was like the plug for my friends. If you needed something, then I could get it for you somehow. I just knew everybody for some reason. Mm-hmm. I was well-networked at a, at a young age. I was first, like I mentioned before, I was, I was cleaning cars. So I learned how to make money there. But then I started selling candy. And then I was like, man, I'm not making enough money off of candy. So I started putting that money towards like clothes. And then I started putting that money towards weed. So I was selling, I was selling, I was selling weed on the side. And I was, you know, if you hit, if you called me, you would either need like a new pair of shoes. I got some, I got some LRG clothes or you could grab like a dime bag from me. So that was, that was the way I operated. And it was, that was just the way me and all my friends operated like they ended up teaching me how to sell. They they ended up teaching me how to hustle. But it also got me into a lot of trouble because back then selling weed on the streets was like you get caught up with that. That's like a federal offense. Nowadays is more, you know, yeah. Slap, slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. And even for like a dime, but that's nothing now. Mm. So I even you know, for the t- for the for the day and age now, I feel a lot more comfortable talking about it. But back then, that was a that was a huge no no. Right. And yeah, I got I got rang up by the police multiple times, uh, just being in just being in stolen vehicles, uh, being high speeded by the police, and it's crazy to think about because my best friends at the time, like even after getting high speeded and caught up, like they didn't get the same outcome that as I did. Mm-hmm. For some reason, every time that I got rang up by the police, I got let go. And my friends ended up going to juvenile hall and, you know, rest, rest in peace, Jordan. Um, he stuck with that life and it got the best of him. Mm. And he was like one of my best friends growing up. Like we did everything together. We hustled together. We, he was like my brother and I'm, I'm the only child out of my, I'm the only child out of my, out of my parents. So for me, like brotherhood meant everything. And after, after losing him, it was, everything just started to not make sense. And like, I got caught up one last time on Christmas day. And it's like, I'm just out doing bad shit on Christmas day. And like, 
you and I, you know, we talked about this before, like about how we feel about December. Mm-hmm. But for me, the holidays was the worst. It was the absolute worst because my family didn't have no money. We, you know, we didn't really celebrate Christmas like that. So, you know, when you come back from the holidays, every do now or every writing project is like, what did you do, you know, over the holidays? And I'm like, shit, I didn't do shit. It made me feel sad. I was, you know, comparing myself to other kids. I didn't, I didn't feel like I belonged. I felt like I fit in. And on, you know, just going back to it on Christmas Day, I got caught up one last time, and I think it's because we we're on Christmas Day. We was on 580, going, you know, 580 East, going towards Juvenile Hall, and a police officer exited 35th, uh, which is my my exit from my um, my my house. And he drove me in front of my house, and he pretty much gave me a little pep talk. He was like, yo, what are you doing? Like, you're only 13. You got you have your whole life ahead of you. He gave me that talk because at the time, I didn't really have, like, my parents, my uncles were, like, in and out of jail. And my grandma, she was, you know, working. So at that moment... It actually made sense. He actually knocked some sense into me. Let me go. I was bawling. I was crying. I didn't know. I didn't know why I was crying. But I went home, and after that month, something just clicked. I was like, I gotta get. I gotta get back to school. Mm-hmm. So I re-enrolled. I re-enrolled myself back into high school, and this is when, this is when things started popping. I. So hold on, let's 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 pause there real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do. I want to take a step back, Andy. So, you, you faced a lot of adversity in your life. You found yourself in multiple situations to where you know some people call it luck, some people call it this, some people call it that. Right? Yeah. I think the reality is you were never meant to end up locked up. You were never meant to lose your life. You were never, God put you here probably to serve some type of, you know, higher purpose, which is why you've, while, while everyone around you was either losing their lives or getting thrown away in jail or whatever may be happening, you kept getting these second chances like a cat. And I've, 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 myself included, and I've met lots of other people in life that have had similar situations to where it's like, it's a miracle that I'm even yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, but is it really a miracle? You know, mm-hmm. because fast forward today where you're at, which we'll get mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. it all makes sense. And the the change that you're creating and, you know, within communities and the culture that you're helping to create it's just beautiful. And so I just wanted to let you know, like, bro, you're here because you were meant to be here so that you can be doing what you're doing now so that you can be telling this story of how you came from nothing to something, mm-hmm. you know, I and, appreciate that. And, and so, and not everyone's meant to, to tell that story It's just the reality, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I appreciate that. Like I've seen some, I've seen some shit, man. Like I've seen somebody get shot and killed, maybe like 15 feet in front of me. 
I've been to in and out of side shows like a side sh- uh, for those of you guys who don't know what a side show is uh, back in Oakland they'll shut down like regular people would just shut down like a whole block where it'd be like international Bancroft and they'll take their cars and they'll profile the streets like left and right through both lanes speeding running red lights um, having parties on the streets like during the during the Mac Dre era, the Dizzle era, like it was wild. And there are times where I look back at it now, like how did I, how did I get, how did I get out of that? And when you, when you put in a, a situation where like you're set up for failure, but you somehow find it mustered up like the willpower to, to do something better for yourself. And it's actually a possibility that it can happen. Cause like nobody in my teenage years was like, you know what, Andy, or you know what, Prince, like you're, you're going to be somebody someday. You're going to help people, you know, you, you're going to create a platform to help people get out of these struggles. And, you know, I appreciate you and the art of visuals platform for, for giving me this light to be able to share this story with you know millions of people around the world who who may or may not be going through the same situations because we stand as pioneers of 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 people who've been through this shit and could actually tell the story and i know you can relate where like yeah we've lost friends in the same you know who've been in the same situations who aren't here with us today mm-hmm. it's crazy when you when you think about like it's hard for me to like fully grasp that and how much, how us even like surviving actually means to, you know, how much that means to the community. No, absolutely. So I want to talk influential people. So one thing that I've found over the last decade of my life is, is, you know, from talking with people and listening and my, even my own story, you know, Mm -hmm. my own story, the reason I am who I am today and the reason I am where I am today is because I had some extremely loving and caring and very influential people in my life. And then, and then there was one key character. So that key character for me was my grandfather. And mm-hmm. without my grandfather, I, I, I honestly have no idea, no idea where I would be, what I'd be doing if I'd be here. I honestly, I, I have no idea, but thank God yeah. that I had my grandfather because that dude was a was a heaven sent angel. He's my guardian of of everything, heart, mind, body, soul, and has mm-hmm. projected me to where I am at today. And I know your grandmother was that person for you. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about how your grandmother helped influence your life for the better. Yeah. Well, starting from the very beginning, uh, when my parents separated, she. You know, I was a kid at the time. I was left at my grandmother's house, and that night was, like, one of the hardest nights of my life. You know, just thinking and praying and hoping that, like, if that door opens, it would be, like, one of my parents, you know, bringing me home. But that night, it didn't happen. You know, the light... There was a light peeking. If you can imagine, if I could, if I could paint a picture for you guys, it's me in a dark room, and... There's a light coming from uh, the bottom of the door that's coming through. 
And the whole time, you know, I'm thinking, I'm crying, I'm bawling, I'm praying. And the door eventually opens. And it's my grandmother. And she's there. Like, she's... And I just remember her holding me and saying, like, like, don't worry. Like, I got you. At the time, it... That, like, those words, like, meant everything to me. Because, like, who else... Who else could I go to? She was... Yeah, she stuck it out. And... Everything, everything that I do now is for her. Mm-hmm. She is my driving force. Like, I work hard because of her, because I've seen her day in, day out, contributing, working hard to make sure that we have food on the table, to make sure that the electricity was paid for so that when it got cold during the winter time, that we could turn on the heater for like a couple of hours she was she was that for all of us for me my uncles my grandfather even and o- even outside of that andy i think the one thing you miss was that the fact that your grandmother out of all the things she did for you the most important thing she did for you she loved you and it was that love that pure love you know that allowed you to to grow and, and to stay strong and to push forward because without love, humans, we're nothing. Love is yeah. everything, man. Love is the key. And if you don't have someone that truly loves you from the core of their heart, rain, sunshine, no matter how bad you are, no matter how good you are, they love you from the bottom to the top. Mm. That's something that you can't, you can't put a price tag on that. And that's why you are who you are today is because your grandmother poured love into yeah. you and you were able to take that love and actually do something with it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. She did. And still this, I'm so like, I'm so glad she's still around. Cause every time I see her, she has the biggest smile on her face. Like, my uncles and my aunt, like they tell her like some of the stuff that I do, like, you know, some of the, some of the companies I got to work with, but like her biggest concern when she calls me, is like, when are you coming home and what do you want me to, what do you want me to make for you? What kind of food do you want me to make for you? I and, love that stuff. No matter how yeah. big you get, she's proud of you, but that don't yeah. mean nothing to her. She, She's just happy that you still love her and that Mm -hmm. you care and that you communicate and that you come see her and she just Mm -hmm. can't wait to just, it's the simple, (laughs) it's the simple things, man. It's the little, it's these small things that, oh man, they make a difference. Yeah, they do. I think, uh, yeah, just because like growing up, we didn't have much, you know, there's, it actually made life pretty simple, Mm -hmm. like not having much. You know, it's, it's, you're appreciative of the smaller things, the things that you do have. Um, and, and, of course, like, you have aspirations to, like, you know, get other things, but, like, you appreciate the things that you have. And that's something that's definitely instilled into my life is, you know, creating something out of nothing. Yep. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's change the pace up a tad bit because... You know, obviously we could go deeper, but I'm I'm feeling it. 
I'm sure mm-hmm. I know you're feeling it and I'd like to just change up the pace because I'm getting a little I'm just I'm feeling <laughs> yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this is yeah. this is just real this is it's real human stuff, man. And yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we we talked about it. But mm-hmm. at the same time I'm I'm excited to to move into yeah. the next chapter of the story, you know? And so yeah. at this point in your life, you kind of feel like you've lost I mean, for a teenager, bro, like you feel like you lost everything. You've yeah. lost loved ones. You've lost friends. You've you mm-hmm. have nothing. You don't have money. You've been in trouble. You're a knucklehead. You don't nothing. You don't see a future. There's no direct path to anything. You're completely nope. lost, and you have no yep. idea. And all you can think is that I'm probably just gonna end up being just like everyone around that I've mm-hmm. grown up watching go to jail, get in trouble, do these things, etc. What was the catalyst? What was that moment that, you know, smacked you in the face? You know, like like I talked to you earlier mm-hmm. before we hopped on the podcast. Like, what was that moment when you felt like you were drowning underwater and right before you were to pass out, someone just yanked you up for that, that mm-hmm. air? And what was that moment when everything changed for you and you, you took a new path? So I ended up re-enrolling myself into high school. And at this moment, I enrolled myself. So, so my high school has four different academies, mm-hmm. uh, architecture, Mandela, uh, Paul Robeson, and media. So I re-enrolled myself into media academy where I got to get my hands on to my very first camera. So it's, you know, my, my whole life, my grandmother is actually a photographer uh, she used Polaroids. She was always about capturing memories. Mm-hmm. And I used to hate it. I used to hate, like, standing for photos, but I would always be super comfortable taking them. But I never really understood the value of capturing photos until I got my hands onto my, like, my very own camera in high school. And that was, like, the moment where, like, I finally could... And this is after I sort of... I cut off my friend's that I was kicking it with. And after re- re-enrolling myself, I made I made a new group of friends who were like into school. They were on the baseball team. They encouraged me to join the baseball team. So, you know, in order for that to happen, you got to get your grades up. Got to have at least a 2.0. And I was like, dang, I got to get my grades up so I could play on this baseball team. And I felt once I joined that baseball team, alongside with like having a camera in my hands, it made me feel like I was a part of a family. It wasn't just a baseball team. They were yeah. my good. Yeah, they were my actual brothers. Like we would practice together, we would eat together, we'd do we'd do study hall together, and they were, you know, the friends that I cut off, who I considered my brothers at the time, were just doing different things. They were just, you know, they're what what they put their time into was different than what these guys were into. So it was crazy because I never felt that sense of like community before. And they, they gave me that. And what I, I didn't even ask for it. I was just really close with my friend, Ryan, like shout out to Ryan, Carlos, Adrian, Chu, Lalo, all these guys on the team who just like took me in. It was like, Andy, get your shit together. We want you to play on the baseball team. You're actually pretty good and we need you. And I was like, not only am I getting encouraged to stay in school, but they sort of like instilled 
like a sense of responsibility now. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, like they actually needed me to be on the team so that we could win games. So I felt like a sense of responsibility and accountability, and which is nice. accountability. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking. Yeah. That's the mm-hmm. word I was looking for accountability and, and how the camera fits in is during the same time I joined the baseball team, I was also doing like a whole bunch of extracurriculars. I was filming the basketball games with the camera and the tripod at the top, you know, top deck of the bleacher. I was just going from left to right, following the ball. I was, I was the camera crew. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, just, it was, I was like the only Asian kid traveling, traveling with an all black, all black um, basketball team. And then I would travel with the football team during the off season. I was like, wait, like if I could do this, like school is actually cool. You know, I get to, I get to leave class early. And I get to, you know, hang out with my friends and we get to, you know, we get to, we get to do, you know, activities together. We get to work out together. Like this was fun. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, I feel like even though I went to like a pretty rough high school, that's very small media academy was the Mecca. Like God put this academy there for me to, to, with the tools, like we had, we had IMAX. We had HD DV cameras with tapes. Mm. We had iMovie. We had Firewire. I don't know if you guys listening know what Firewire is, but we had that. You had to, in order to transfer your footage over, you had to play it back and watch it. Or if you don't watch it, it just plays back, and then it then it records as a video file. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn, and with no guidance or no, you know, there there weren't no photography videography one-on-one youtube videos to watch it was like go out there shoot some video try to put something together and and that's where like i I sort of transitioned um my high school stage into mr jackson's class and his full name was michael jackson which was like funny as hell because he's this white dude named michael jackson but just like full of energy he sort of came with that optimism same optimism that my grandmother came with um, even though we were in like pretty rough situations at school, you know, under underfunded, a lot of violence happening outside of school. He made he made that class uh, educational, and he just he was just that sort of ringleader uh, that gave us that circle of safety and was and was telling us that like if we go out and shoot video on campus, like we're gonna come back, we're gonna be all right. And I think he had the, you know, those, like we were talking about earlier, like he actually showed us love. Mm-hmm. Like we felt that sense of love from Mr. Jackson and we felt safe. So it's. Shout out a hey, shout out to Mr. Jackson. It's a huge thing. Dude. Teachers, you guys are everything. You guys have no idea how much of an important role you guys play in people's lives and we need more teachers that truly love what they're doing and truly care for the kids because there's so much more than just a teacher teaching something they're they're way your role is way bigger than that not to interrupt you but i just wanted to put that out there no all good any shout outs to mr jackson all day (laughs) (laughs) so it's so going in, so going into high school, like Mr. Jackson, pretty much enabled us to become creators mm-hmm. without us even knowing. So our weekly assignments were to uh, come up with a treatment 
produce the, you know, produce the shots, edit together and showcase it to the rest of the class at the end of the week. And that gave me so much anxiety because, you know, it sharing our work was one of the hardest things to do. But what made it easier was that it was a collaborative process. Like making these videos, we would be paired in like groups of four or five. And like, you know, everybody would have their job. Someone would be a cameraman, someone did audio, someone was a, like a director or, you know, script writer. And something that Mr. Jackson's class taught me is that the power of collaboration, it taught me to take ownership of things, but not only just that, you know, at the end, my favorite part about creating the videos was the very end, the credits, mm-hmm. where, where we get to lay down everybody's name, what they did, and it was like, damn, like for the very first time in my life, I could say that I've, you know, that I own something. Mm-hmm. And he gave us that. Like those videos, like that content that we create. And for those of you guys who are listening, like every time you hit that record button, every time you, you know, snap a photo, like that's yours. Own that. Keep that. You know, that photo that, that you recorded like to your, you know, that photo that you took lives forever. It's a time capsule. It's um you like that's your moment in time that you own. <laughs> yeah, timestamp. Yeah, that's a timestamp. And it lives forever. And and that's and at that moment I really valued the photos that my grandma take like took. She has albums back at home just filled with prints. Like just of when I was a baby growing up. And I know you guys you probably got, you know, those albums that you have at home, like cherish those. Mm-hmm. Those are physical representations of our lives. And we could, you know, in the palm of our hands. Right. Nowadays, we live in a digital age where you can upload all of that to, you know, to the cloud. But just appreciate where it came from, at least. Hey. It's, it's pink. <laughs> <laughs> we got a pink one too. We got a pink one too. <laughs> I, I didn't even know it was pink until I opened it. I'm like, word up. Guess I got a pink camera. Yeah. A pink Instax. <laughs> it's all good. It comes out the same way. So, you know, Mr., you know, your, your teacher got you going. You're doing films. It sounds like you're really starting to find yourself a little bit at this point. Things are turning around. You're not getting in trouble. You kind of changed up your friends. You changed up where you're spending your time. All of a sudden, you feel ownership over something, and life starts to kind of look up. What was next? It It was getting time to apply to college. And because I dropped out of high school in my freshman year, my 9 to 12 GPA was just complete garbage. It was, I couldn't apply to any UCs. And the language was, you know, when I was talking to my friends, it was like, oh, yeah, they're all applying to UCs. I was like, dang, I didn't even think I was going to college. Um, but I ended up applying to Cal State East Bay and a couple of other state colleges, San Diego State, San Jose State. And I ended up getting accepted. Um but it's crazy because, like, my senior year of high school, you know, well, some of you guys know that, like, during your senior year, you usually take on the the smallest load for classes. 
like you'll probably take like four classes and like leave after lunch or something like that. I was taking on a full load. I had to make up pretty much for everything that I missed out my freshman year. So right when I thought that I was like, you know, I was up to speed, I was finally getting the flow. Senior year comes around, all my friends are like leaving after lunch, and I'm like, damn, I have a period. That's pretty much the 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 class before school even starts. And I also have fifth and sixth period, so that's after lunch, and I have B period. So I was grinding like so hard to where I just remember that time being like focused, so mm-hmm. focused on like the goal and just like trying to get to college. Cause my grandma, if she, if there's one thing that she kept asking me for constantly all the time, go to can you go to college, go, go to, to college. college, go to college. And it was, it was rough. And even at the time I was, I was, you know, I was doing that. Uh, I was a student and I was also, um, uh, playing on the varsity baseball team. And I was also working part-time at KFC. So my very first job. <laughs> Flipping that chicken, baby. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was a cashier. Oh, okay. And, yeah, I was a cashier. And I was, I was, you know, working working there just to, just to get some bread on the side and trying to balance that out. Um, I was, like, super Bro, young at the time. <laughs> I'm already tripping in my head. What a 180. Like, I'm like... <laughs> Years prior, this dude is in all types of chaos. Yeah. Years later, and my boy's on it, getting his yeah. grades right, taking tons of classes, working, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. the homework, extracurricular activities, baseball team. Like, bro, mm-hmm. ah, it makes me happy, man. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a good time in my life because I finally felt like I figured it out. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, like we were talking about it earlier one of my best friends that i was riding with when i was 13 got shot and killed like my senior year of high school mm. and Darkness. that kind of yeah it found a, it's, it found its way to to crawl back into my life mm-hmm. and it it just made me it just made me feel like even even though i was doing all these good things like not all my friends had the same outcome as I. Like not all my friends had the chance to like re-enroll back to school, and you know not all my friends got to get like a decent job. And it just it just made me feel. I, I felt grateful for the opportunities, and that I was getting, but at the same time I was still trying to help them. Like I would always. I found myself being in a position where, like, I would be constantly checking up on them. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, I'm always, you know, just like I'm really, I'm really, I'm on my friends because I, I felt like I was so lucky to to get, you know, to to get the cards that I was dealt. So the part, you know, the part of me that gives back, and I had to pay, you know, paying tribute to my grandmother who gave me that second chance, is. Just my my way of just trying, and yeah. After after that happened, I was I was fortunate I was fortunate enough to have the right grades, really low SAT scores, really low ACT scores. I just always felt really unconfident. Is it unconfident? Yeah, unconfident and just like 
having a regular conversation with people. Like even before going to college, if you would have talked to me, like in every sentence, I'd be saying bruh or cuz. Mm-hmm. And that's just the lingual, the language that I spoke um, growing like, up. That's all you knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually ended up graduating high school. I, I, you know, I ended up making all those classes up on time. I failed my senior project. But they gave me a chance to read, you know, to redo it. <laughs> and I did a video on it. Like that was my way of expressing myself was through video. Like I failed so hard in the writing portion. But when it came to like telling a story or or, or expressing um, an argument or like uh, trying to persuade somebody, I could do it in a video. Mm-hmm. So I was always that. And even going into college, like whenever I had a class assignment and you know how everybody would do PowerPoints, I'd be like, I'm doing a video. And I'd be like, everybody in my group, we're doing a video. And they'd be with it. So I was, I'd always be super excited to to crank out videos, but it was always for fun. That's the thing. Like creating videos just always came out of love. Like I just loved doing it. Like I didn't really, I almost forgot this, but like when I was in Mr. Jackson's class, my classroom ended up getting broken into and they stole all our IMAX. Like that one thing that we love doing video, creating videos, took it away from us. I was heart. I was heartbroken. It was like, we had that one thing, you know, you gave us that one sense of like, you know, ownership and you take it away from us. And, and I was like, damn, it's just, a, it's the Oakland cycle happening all over again. Just like with my friend, like getting shot, like it's, it's just happening all over again. Mm-hmm. And I was that one kid who found that iMac that they didn't steal in another classroom. And when they shut, you know, when they lightweight, like shut down the drama class, I was still creating videos. I was just determined to, to do it for some reason. Cause I just really enjoyed doing it. I was mm-hmm. like, why did y'all take our computers away? And I knew who did it too. I was like, why the? I was like, why the fuck did you break into our classrooms? I was so mad, like I was, I was so upset uh, that because and he ended up like selling selling the IMAX for money and he barely made any money. Anywho, that shit just like gets me upset just thinking about it because he took our he took away our pride and joy. Mm-hmm. And, he took away at, the, at that point. That was everything. That was the thing that brought light into your world. That was what kept yeah. you in your own lane yeah and yeah and it's and i thought it was just like oh shit here you know just the oakland cycle happening again right you know and this was this was during the same time where like oakland was like in the height of his crimes they 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 coined us uh top five cities top five most dangerous cities in the world you know alongside with i think it was like detroit and Chicago, Southside um, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Bronx in New York was up there, and a handful of others too. But Oakland was on that list. And there was every night there was gun shootings, and that became the norm. Like you would hear a gunshot, and then we would talk about it at school. Like, oh, you heard gunshots last night? I was like, yeah, I heard it. And then you you go to your next. Um, like my friend of mine be like, oh no, I didn't even hear. I was knocked out. I was sleeping. But that was just like a casual conversation. Mm-hmm. 
And it's crazy because, like, I remember transitioning into college. I'd be like, yeah, there would be gunshots in Oakland. They'd be like, oh, my God. They're like, are you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm good. Like, you know, boom, I, I'm solid. Think, I think Andy needs to see a counselor or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's just – he's had an interesting just upbringing. <laughs> yeah, he's gone through some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that's – you know, I didn't even think anything – I didn't even think much of it. I just – I was like right. – Oh, this is just, you know, it's just, it is, it, it is what it is. And it got, it got pretty bad to where like people were following people home, robbing them right outside their houses at gunpoint. Like I've had a couple of friends who've gone through that and I, you know, I shared with you guys a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, I, did I share the story of me getting robbed at gunpoint um, outside of my high school? No, I, you didn't share oh, that story with oh, us. Oh, I didn't get into that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Very last day of sophomore year, no, junior year, very last day of junior year in high school. So the protocol for our high school is to leave all your personal belongings uh, in, in, the, in the portable, in your backpack, you know, your cell phone, your money, just bring your lunch money with you if you want to go off campus. And it's the very last day of school. Well, me and my friend, we went to Burger King and we came back. It was just me and him walking back, and these two dudes pull up on us, um, and we didn't even see them, because usually, like, we're really, like, we're pretty aware of like what's happening on, you know, what's going on, and they just snuck up behind us, and pretty much had two guns to our backs. And I looked at my friend. He had his grill on him. He had his iPod, you know, his iPod on him some money i only i was very fortunate i only brought five dollars with me so you know i got i got two double cheeseburgers and i actually remember what i ordered i had two double cheeseburgers some fries and a drink that's how you like combo it up when you only got five dollars for lunch (laughs) so (laughs) it was a two for two anywho we had two guns to our backs and it was one of the most terrifying things i've ever experienced in my life there's there's a there's a handful of other things, um, but like, you know, having having someone point a gun to your back and knowing that your life could be gone, you know, by by a click of the finger, like that, it's crazy to think about because it was happen it was happening to a lot of us. Like that was just the that was just the norm. We got very fortunate to be able to walk away from that situation untouched. They ended up only taking, you know, personal belongings from my friends and just taking taking some money, some extra spare change that I had. And I sort of served as the peacemaker um, in that situation because my friend, you know, we didn't get hurt. We didn't get pistol whipped. Uh, we didn't get shot. We were OK. But my friend, on the other hand, was like, hell no, nah. like you did like these dudes, these two dudes disrespected us. He called his brothers. And they came through with like three cars and they was hunting. Like they was trying like they they went around campus like trying to find these dudes. And to this day, I don't know if they if they did get them or they didn't. But that was just the reality of like what I was growing up around. Right. Like and it was it's a sick cycle. Mm-hmm. You know? Like this this is is happening even now. I was gonna I, say, I, it ain't gone away. <laughs> yeah. It's still here. It's still here, mm-hmm. and you know it's just the, the circumstances and the, and the environment you put in. Like there's, I 
I, I, I really, I, I got so lucky. Like I've looking at my life in hindsight now, it's like, you know, if you look at my Instagram, it's very polished. Like you see photos, you see videos of like all these different places in the world. But like my, my thing about Oakland is that I was just trying to, to capture my reality. So when I, when I first got my hands onto a camera, I was shooting the streets. I was out in the streets capturing the lifestyle of police officers, of people who banged. Sorry, for, so like for, for slang, people who banged is like people who like gang banged or like, you know, not people who like had sex. Sorry, I just had to clarify that for you guys. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> the slang, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's that, that camera has always put me in positions to do something better. I remember even in college when I was staying in the dorms, like the camera, I was always making videos all the time with my roommates, uh, J-Mac, Nasser, uh, Edgar, Jose. Like we were just always creating videos. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time, I was a criminal justice major. When I first enrolled into high school, I mean, when I first enrolled into college, I, I declared myself a criminal justice major because I wanted to be that cop that turned my life around. Right. That gave me that talk when I was 13. Who gave you that I'll, second chance. You wanted gave me that second chance. Yeah. I wanted to be that. But the reality of criminal justice as a degree was a lot of reading and a lot of test taking. And, you know, as much as I wanted to become that peace officer, there's a part of me that really hated the whole concept of study, midterm, study, final. And I wanted to do something a little more hands-on. And my roommates at the time, they were like, yo, you're actually, like, kind of good at making videos. You ever thought of, like, making that a career? And I was like, hell no, nah, hell no. Nah. Like, I, this is for fun. Like I do, I yeah, I create videos like because this is fun. Like this, we get to, we get to create anything we want. We could capture anything we want. We could make a script and we can make this come to life. So we were making music videos. We were making all types of silly, like just like uh, we did a cribs episode of our dorm. What year was this? <laughs> this was in 2009. Okay. Yeah, this was in 2009, and. Yeah, I was still creating videos, and I didn't. It still didn't click. Like I was, st- you know, I was still, I was still enrolled as a criminal justice major, and I even tried joining the. Uh, I, I even tried doing the officers program for the Air Force, because I was like, all right, well, my grandfather, he was a vet for the Vietnam War, and he was in the he was a Navy SEAL, so maybe I could like you know do some time with the military you know, serve my people and, and, you know, maybe, maybe that would be the right path. But what I realized when I tried to join that program was that I was two years behind and I was like, Oh no, not this again. (laughs) (laughs) Like, bro, I'm always at such a disadvantage. Like I gotta find something, man. I'm tired of these late starts. (laughs) I was always behind. I was always behind. And at the same time when I was doing that, 
I was really big on the club scene. Um, I was, I was a club promoter to begin with, uh, because my cousin put me on mm-hmm. and I pretty much, I went dorm to dorm, uh, selling pre-sales, uh, to, to the clubs out in San Francisco. And I ended up encouraging my roommates to do it with me. So pretty much everywhere that I went, the party went. Mm-hmm. So there were, there were times where I was getting a good amount of pre-sales, maybe like 30 to 50 on a good night. Ooh. And and it was good. It was actually pretty good money. Fifteen dollar pre sales. We kept five dollars mm-hmm. for every pre sale. You sell, you know, you sell fifty pre sales. You cut, you do the math. This is a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do this more strategically. Let me manage a team. They're like, all right, we, you are a promotional manager now. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's that's uh, you know, that's not anything I ever thought I'd be doing though. Right. I thought like. If you guys, if you guys remember from earlier in the podcast, I was like, I was the plug. Like, I if you needed something, like I could take, I'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I ended up just being the dude for like the clubs, and it really brushed up. It really benefited me in a way where I didn't think it would. Like, I was actually really good at like talking to people and being like a salesman now, because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, y'all, tra- what you doing on Friday? Oh, you're not doing anything. Maybe you should go to the club. Where is it? San Francisco. It's easy. It's a drive. Like I'll be trying to persuade these students. It's like they probably didn't have anything planned, but now now they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was doing that, and that transitioned into uh, club photography. So this. Was, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, by the so, way, not only am I the promotional manager, you know, I'd love to be head of photography. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So this is this is weird. This is sort of the weird stage where I met Jay Lynn. Mm-hmm. This is 2010. Um, Ooh, I was, congrats, bro! That's a rider, dude. We're in 20 yeah. what, 2019. Yay. Yeah, going into nine years now. Yeah, and Jay Lynn been rocking for a long time. That's beautiful, bro. We've been we've been doing this before even social media was a was a thing. Mm. It was it was like MySpace and Tumblr at the time. It was just Tom, bro. Yeah, this time, bro. We all did. You ever? By the way, not to change the 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 theme. Did you ever see that meme? Where it was like we all turned our back on Tom, but Tom (laughs) never had algorithms. Tom never hit. Like Tom never did anything to us, and we all turned our back on Tom. We did. We did. (laughs) I want MySpace back (laughs) so bad. Bring back MySpace, Tom. Let's rewind it. Let's just rewind it and bring it back. It was such a free platform, bro. Yeah, no, it was such a good one too. It actually brought people together. It really was. The top eight was so tight. Yeah, it was so dope. It's uh, like <laughs> you had, you could have a little, you could have a song to represent who, who, like what you were listening to. Mine, mine at the time was Lil Wayne hustler music. <laughs> Don't lie to me. I know you had that Pretty Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> I had Pretty Ricky too, and Bobby V. Bobby v was popping at the time too. <laughs> <laughs> so. So diving, so diving into the, the my sophomore year of college, mm-hmm. that's when I met, that's when I met Jalen, and uh, I was it was a weird coincidence because I got invited to speak at like at like a youth gang and violence convention. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone who who went to that convention was just learning about street etiquette, uh, just learning about just being more aware uh, on the streets and just knowing that these things 
do exist. These gangs do exist. Uh, violence and getting robbed do exist. Mm-hmm. And she, she just came. She wasn't even going to go um, in the first place, but her friend convinced her to, her best friend at the time. And I was, I was like, I was pretty well networked um, in Oakland, mm-hmm. but I'd never seen her before. Mm-hmm. So I was like, who's this cat? Like, how come I don't know who you are? And you look, you look fine. Like you, you mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was attracted. Who is she? Yeah. It was, it was good business. And looking, looking at how our relationship has grown to this day, we definitely didn't have any clue that we, you know, turned this, turned photography and videography or just creating this into our lives. Uh, we just, she gave me my first DSLR, which was a Canon T1i. Mm. And when she gave me that camera, I dropped a little, I had a camcorder at the time. I dropped that and I just started going ham. Like I was shooting everything. And she, she was also shooting at the same time. And she would always have her camera. It was like a Samsung point and shoot, but when you tap the screen in the front, it showed like a front facing camera. It was mm-hmm. super, it was like really bad quality, but like it was a, one of the very first like, like front facing uh, digital screens. Anywho, when Jay and I first started creating together, it was just like in her backyard. Like she was just trying to do like these makeup tutorials, uh, was trying to build up her YouTube. And we, didn't think any, anything of it at the time, but her stuff started taking off. And I, just to go back into like the club photography, like I was already well networked within the club scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really want to do promoting anymore. Like just hire me, hire me for the night and I'll take photos for y'all. And I remember getting paid, you know, for like one night, I get paid a hundred dollars, right? So that's for like three hours of shooting. I want to say like, for every hour of shooting, it's hour of editing, three hours of editing, and then the gas. So that would be like ten dollars going mm-hmm. from Oakland to the city. Parking would be like sometimes five dollars, yeah. and then paying for toll, five dollars. Right. So like we add that up, it's like twenty bucks. I'll be walking away with eighty dollars. Eighty dollars for that time spent shooting at the club, and I was like, damn, I'm working at the movie theater right now at amc i was also working there at the same time getting paid eight dollars an hour for a full day of work eight you know at eight dollars an hour for eight hours is 64 dollars after taxes like 50 Mm dollars so just a quick comparison from math like i'd much rather be taking photos because i'm fun and it clicked in my mind i was like wait i could get paid to do this stuff yeah like that's dope and I just want to say something real quick for any of you guys that are in your early stages of your creative career. Don't be getting bougie about money. What you have to offer is time. You have time. You have time. You have so much time. So you don't need to be looking at it like, oh, yeah, I'm getting paid 100 bucks, but it, you know, it took me nine hours or 10 hours. So I'm only making 10 bucks an hour. Like, it's 100 bucks that you didn't have before. And you can't, you haven't earned, you got to earn your worth and you got to start somewhere and there's nothing wrong with taking on projects and doing whatever you got to do to make money in the early days before like in the early days you don't have a brand i know a lot of people say you got to protect your brand you got to charge what you're worth like like, 
that do not nah. listen to those people. Like they do not listen. They probably I'll haven't do. been there. You need to do like the first step is survival. The first step yep. is making sure you're eating. Yeah. Don't be dr- don't be drowning in debt because you have too much pride to step out of the house to take photos for 50 bucks. For real. Take it. For real. That's exactly that. And that's not even diving into like all the all the shit we did for free. Mm-hmm. Right? This is just like with the starting of starting to make some money. Mm-hmm. But like that doesn't even account for like all the shoots you did, for, you know, just to get just to get your settings right and all mm-hmm. that. Like and just like trial and error, shooting things underexposed, just, you know. <laughs> I was when I got my hands on to I was shooting every day, every opportunity I got every weekend. I was very blessed to, you know, live in the Bay Area to where like on the weekend you could actually go to a park like it could be like a state park, national, you know, national park. It could be it could be even the park around the corner, mm-hmm. just like getting out into the outdoors. I remember, you know, going up to the Oakland Hills with my camera there ain't shit to shoot in Oakland Hills, but it's just getting out of that, you know, environment where you feel like your life is always, you know, threatened. Mm-hmm. Like just feel, you know, I, I remember when I first started hitting up some of these national parks or state parks, it's like everybody around you is so nice. It's a completely <laughs> different environment. It's insane. And I felt like I felt so out of place because I was like, Damn, I'm trying to. There, you know, sometimes I had like that hood mentality, like, damn, I should come up on some of this. But it's like, nah, these people are cool. Like, mm-hmm. people are, you know, people are treating each other nice out here with respect. They're talking to each other properly. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still had like, you know, I would still mix up some slang every now and then, but tried to, I, kind of, I wouldn't say assimilate, but more so like be a chameleon, just be cool. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a little it, uncomfortable. You're like, I'm not quite one of these people, but I'm on my, I'm in that transition period. But I still got, I've been through stuff. I've been damaged. I have these demons, and every now yeah. and again, they want to kind of pop in and and play yeah. again here and there. But that's all yeah. part of transitioning, man. Yeah, yeah. So I started hitting. Yeah, I was in college. That's when I met. That's when I met Zeke. <laughs> my, Zeke my good, my good friend Zeke, Zeke Yan. Yan. Yeah. His, yeah, his his episode would probably already be out now. If y'all get a chance, check out my boy Zeke Yan. That's a, yeah. I've known him for so many years. I've also met David. And these guys were like my adventure crew. Mm-hmm. Like on the weekend, we were after after class, we'd always just try to find like somewhere to shoot, whether it be like at the Golden Gate Bridge or just you know, going to parks. I remember me and Zeke, we went to Yosemite for our first time and we were like, yo, this is, this ain't the hood, dog. These <laughs> some, these some big ass rocks. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, wow. Using words you never use, like, that's beautiful. I never said a rock was beautiful in my life. This is a beautiful rock. Look at this tree. That's a beautiful tree. <laughs> I just remember, <laughs> I just remember looking at Half Dome, and I was like, "Damn, that's a that's a big ass rock." <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you take some. So that's what happens when you take some boys from the hood. You take them to the outdoor nature. This, it was. It'll it change was, you. It'll change. It you. was liberating. 
it was incredible. The air was fresh. The nature was untouched. It was it was bliss. It was like we could just we could really just we could be. Yeah, it was it was so weird, but so fulfilling at the same time. No worries. I bet your head wasn't on a swivel while you were hiking. You weren't afraid of someone robbing you. You weren't. It was um, just you belonged. Yeah. It was just like yeah. I'm like this is just love yeah. and beauty yeah. and just present. I'm just here in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was incredible times. It's like my cravings for the outdoors is def- I definitely got addicted. Mm-hmm. Like just being able to you know jump in the car and and drive out for you know a couple hours to explore somewhere new. Mm-hmm. I was starting to get addicted to like uncertainty, and and addicted to the unknown. It made me feel like I was challenging myself and in in new ways and i guess just growing up and being from oakland i always figured like it can't get any worse than this you know some of the things i've seen some of the things i've been through so at this point in my life like i don't really got much to lose um you know i'm in school i'm getting i'm getting i'm getting all right you know cool grades and i changed majors so I finally changed majors to art uh, with the multimedia option. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though it was a state-funded college, the program was actually all right. We learned a whole creative suite, Adobe Creative Suite. So I had classes from, like, Photoshop, Dreamweaver. We learned in Flash, uh, Illustrator, you know, InDesign. And we had a Final Cut class. And it were, they were all introductory, you know, introduction courses. But... They worked. Mm-hmm. They got us thinking differently. They got us just creating on a daily basis and and using, you know, using our energy to make our ideas a reality. And that same, you know, from those professors, I felt that same sort of sense of love, the same sense I got from my grandmother, uh-huh. same sense I got from Mr. Jackson. And this was, you know, this was sort of a time where I was also rekindling my relationship with my parents. And it was later on in life where, you know, what they did was what they did, obviously. But I accepted the fact that when my mom had me, she was 18, super young. I could imagine, like, she was probably scared out of her mind. And I just, you know... I, I, I came to a point in my life where, like, it is what it is, and I'm going to accept you guys for who you are because I've actually, I've actually made it to a point in my life where, like, all, everything that happened, I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't go back and change any of it. Mm-hmm. And from that, from that moment through college, it made me feel like a sense of release where it made me feel like now that I'm cool with my parents again, my grandma's good. Now it's time to like really, really chime in and focus on myself. Mm. I felt like for my whole life, like I felt like I had to, I was doing it for other people. And, and now, now is the time is like to, to tone in on our craft. The time is now, baby. Yes. And 
this one event came around our school called Campus Movie Festival. And it was a super tight deadline because I, I found out about it late. Mm-hmm. And I assembled a team. I had Zeke on there. <laughs> David's on there. Yeah. Jalen was on there. This is our very first uh, short film that we produced. And it was called Tech. I don't think it's anywhere public. I should upload it somewhere though, but you should, bro. I think that <laughs> a lot of bro, a lot of people, it's really beautiful to see the old stuff because it, it lets people know that hey, you know, you yeah. weren't just some god gifted, picked up a camera and just started creating <laughs> yeah. fire. It's like, bro, yeah. I worked for this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't always look this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so we ended up coming up with a script overnight. The story was about my grandmother being diabetic and forgetting her medication and getting into a car accident. And we created, we sort of created that through film. We were shooting on what we had <laughs> and we made it work and we ended up winning from our school. That was a, that was a huge tilt, uh, a shift in, in our lives because that was our very first sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Z- Zeke and I ended up going uh, to a couple of different organizations on campus and was pitching to them like, hey, we need money for food and gas so that we could compete in L.A. against all the other schools who won. Um, so we ended up getting, I think it was anywhere between, I think it was like $500 or something like that. But we got, you know, gas money. We we got a hotel and we got our food covered. And you know, our film compared to like UCLA, San Francisco State, you know, USC, mm. we're like pretty much trash. But just being there, being exposed to all of these, you know, different filmmakers, the production quality that they had, and just like all our films are playing in AMC. Mm-hmm. Like in the AMC movie theater, we're like, dang, like our, you know, our it's videos. Incredible. Yeah, we're like, hell yeah, we mm-hmm. made this. And like little did we know that because because we all you know, freelance full time now, like we didn't think that that would be the beginning stages of what we'd become today. Right. Not at all. We just we just, you know, Campus Movie Festival came around. We're like, hell yeah, let's make something. Let's make something happen. And we did it. And there's a huge turning point because like from that, we learned how compatible we are as a team. David, David and Zeke, like those are my brothers for life. Mm-hmm. Like, like always, like I could count on them for anything. And we ended up in college at the same time, starting this like little Instagram community called Feedback Nation. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Dude, that fe- was Feedback Nation was so dope, bro. It was it was <laughs> it was popping, bro, back in the day, man. I loved. That was, you know what I mean? Because th- back that was when IG was, it yeah. was. I wouldn't say early in the terms of Instagram, mm-hmm. but it was early in the terms of like communities on Instagram. It was the first wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. Yeah, art of visuals is a part of that wave, mm-hmm. and feedback. You know, we we done we definitely done stuff together. Mm-hmm. I remember those days very clearly. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun doing those <laughs> events together. Yeah, and 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 something that we've always believed in is is community. We hosted uh, worldwide Instameet. 11 and 12 uh, when they came out and we started hosting Insta Meets all throughout the Bay Area 
And you, you, you know, you remember those times mm-hmm. when, when we would host a meetup and we'd had like 200, 300 plus people coming out. And the most beautiful part about it was that they came out because they love photography. They love creating. They just wanted to meet other people who are like into the same shit, mm-hmm. who is like, who can nerd out about like, tw- you know, 24, 70 to 50 or like <laughs> what lens you get in next or like, you know, what's, what, what kind of memory card you got, you got, you know, that, you know, that type of stuff. Like we could really nerd out. Cause if you think about it, if you listen to like two photographers talk, yo, like what's this looking like at F1.4? Why is the ISOs at 1600? That's like a little grainy. Like what, like what, what are you talking about? You said some nerd shit, but it was like, Every, you know, we were into it. There's a community for it. And it was popping. Mm-hmm. People wanted to, like, engage and be a part of these movements. It was it was pure. In the early in the early movement, it was so pure. It was so much love. And it was all about just finding your people and 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 learning and growing and sharing and teaching and learning and growing. It was like the cycle. And and that was before like Things elevated and yeah. opportunities started to grow and egos came into play and, and you know, the environment has changed, community's still there, but that was a, just a special time. Things were just a lot things were just easier and more I guess organic, like ground floor. Yeah. You know, it was like the early days. To be honest, the way I like to describe it, it was the the beginning because we're in the middle of a renaissance right now. Mm-hmm. And that was like it felt like that was the beginning of the renaissance. Yeah. You know, the modern renaissance. Mm-hmm. The social media age, the digital age, mm-hmm. new media. Mm-hmm. To where Ooh. anyone, it went from us just watching people create amazing things to all of a sudden everyone had this little camera in their hand that could create the same stuff that you saw on TV and in the mm-hmm. movies. And that mm-hmm. was a game changer. That definitely was. That's the, the mobile revolution alongside with like, the small camera revolution. Yeah. It's just, it's given, it's given us opportunities to make some noise. Yeah. I just tried a skate video on the 4S and I just, bro, I still love getting on it on Ooh. YouTube and trying to find it. I, I, don't, I forget how, I forget what to search to find now as, as the years get deeper, it's harder to, I need to start yeah. trying to use the clip grab and download all the things from the various channels. That I have <laughs> to consolidate all the old stuff. Yeah. So I still have it, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy when you do pull up like when you do find it, you're like, Yeah. <laughs> Don't you feel like you could remember that exact like moment in time? Like it, it brings you back to like, you know, you could pick you could pull like three memories from that one video. Bro, I'm the worst. I <laughs> I have these little moments where I end up you know, it happens like once a year where I end up hitting memory lane and I pull up and it's normally like when I'm trying to show some young, some young people like, hey, like, let me show you some of the stuff that I was doing in 2010, 2009, yeah. 2011. Let yeah. me show you the like you guys are vlogging now. Let me show you our vlogs before we even knew they were vlogs. We just called them the SVS Lost Boys episode <laughs> one, two, three, four. And, and we didn't even know what vlogging was, but we were <laughs> vlogging. But we had no like, there was no term like that wasn't even a term yet. If I would have been yes. like, we're vlogging, people were like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what is that? You know? But it's funny because yeah. everyone's always stoked to see it. And then like three, four videos in, they're like, okay. And then I, I'm, I'm, I feel like that old man, I'm, I, I keep him there for like another hour and a half. 
yeah. and I make him watch everything, and it's just like, all right, bro, I want to go home. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you sit your ass down right there, young boy. I'm yeah. going to teach you something tonight. I'm going to show you some stuff. <laughs> something you said actually just triggered a memory mm-hmm. that I had of my grandfather. That same thing that you said, like sitting sitting your friends down and making them watch something. So, mm-hmm. like, it was during a time of my life where my grandfather was still alive. And I thought I had a pretty rough life mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, but my grandparents, they would always take these frequent trips back to Vietnam. And they'll load up, like, these a lot of these cardboard boxes just full of stuff, like, you know, clothes, toys, just things to get back to um, kids. Mm-hmm. And when they'd travel back to Vietnam, my grandfather would have a, a camcorder on him. And he was like a modern day vlogger. He would have a tripod, he'll, you know, set up the camera and he'll record himself, um, like talking to his friends or whatnot. And he traveled with his camera. He brought it to Vietnam and he documented the whole experience of my grandparents bringing these boxes to these orphanages and giving these kids who what who what I saw in you know through the content they were like missing limbs you know really skinny kids and he was you know he said to me and he sat me down and made me watch it he was like you think your life is rough like look at some of these kids and at that moment I figured out well it just clicked in my mind like how powerful capturing film was Mm -hmm. you know how how that you know how that how you could convey a message even without saying anything to somebody just Mm -hmm. by showing them Mm -hmm. and at that time i didn't know where vietnam was or had you know i had no clue but i just understood that like you know i thought my life was like pretty messed up like those kids and what they were going through was it just gave me perspective right so Instagram's popping now. It's at the the start of the of of everything, and I mean, you got Feedback Nation, and Feedback Nation is popping. What was the first break? Like, what was the first thing that just popped, bro? Where it was like, wow, yeah, I can actually make this. Like this, this is no longer just something that I'm super passionate about and just love doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's bigger than that. I can actually build a life around yes i can build a career around this i can feed my family Mm -hmm. and myself through Mm -hmm. this what was that moment i think it was it was very it was the very early stages of like sponsorships Mm -hmm. so there were what was the first like (laughs) what was the first (laughs) thing that went down that you were just like (laughs) one of the very first was uh a collaboration with sandisk Uh and at the time it was just like hey if I give you a couple of flash drives, would you be able? To, would you get? Would you be able to um, give us some content through it? And I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> Sandis just hit me up. I was like, Yo, I love Sandis. Like memory card, Sandis memory cards, solid state drives. I was using all their stuff. So the the sponsorship was like super authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've always tried to stay true to. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I'm going to work with a company or a brand or, you know, if, if I want to work with anybody, I got to believe in them. Mm-hmm. I got to believe in what they, in the products that they push out, the message that they're spreading. And when they hit me up, I was like, wow, I'm willing to do this for free. 
I'm willing to give you guys content for your flash drive because I love your con- I love your products. And that's just, you know, that's where it all started, was just having that genuine, you know, connection with the company and the people who are associated with it. Because mm-hmm. the, per- the person who was running uh, Sandus at the time, she was dope. Like like Diana, shout out to Diana. Like she was the hey, she is the homie. She I mean she's no longer with Sandus, but like you know she invited she invited us over to the Sandus corporate office. It's all nice and fancy, and they all get free food and it's all (laughs) comped. And we're like, whoa, like this is pretty dope. And you guys are giving us more stuff now. And then it led to you know just sort of nurturing that relationship. And and it eventually led into like getting like some actual some actual sponsorship money, and we Zeke and I we ended up pitching to Sandus about a feedback nation meetup that we wanted to do, and it was like, hey, we could we could get a handful of people to come out to an event. Mm-hmm. Would you guys be willing to you know slide us some dough so we could feed them and so we could feed ourselves and so we could give away some stuff? And they're like. Yeah. And we were like, yeah. And they were like, yeah. And we we're like, whoa. Hold on. Tell me, tell me, <laughs> tell me you had this moment as well. Cause I had that same moment where I was like, oh my gosh. They said yes. And then afterwards, yeah. we go back and talk about it. We're like, damn, bro, did we not ask for enough? Like, <laughs> like, like, bro, like, do you think we could have asked for like a thousand dollars on top of that? Like for payment? Like, they probably would have said, damn, like, we probably got to got some gear for us. Like we like, damn, we probably could have got more, but we're, st- we're still stuck. But like, Hey, we probably yeah. could have like did a little more. <laughs> but you know, you know what though? I think what we did, our intentions were there. Oh yeah. You know, oh, we yeah. did it. We did it because we wanted to give back, you know, some of their stuff to the people who participated, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. to the people who, and that, that, but that's, beautiful. that comes from, it yeah. Com- it comes from such a humble place to where like, during those days, we didn't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't know. Like, we didn't understand. Yeah. It was so much money to us, right? Yeah. That you don't want to ask a brand for that, even though to them it's literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. But you, they, you don't you don't put the two and two together. And so it's just such a – it's just a funny yeah. – it's a very humbling. It's just a very pure and humbling experience, you know, yeah. when you look and, back at it at least. Definitely. And I, I would hope that every, you know, not everyone, because everyone's going to do it differently. But like, I would hope that, you know, if you, if you are working with the company to, you know, think about the people, think about everybody who works there. Like, just think like everybody's a you know, human at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And like, if you treat, you know, some of these people try to come up with tactics on like how to approach businesses and, I've always, and I can't speak for you, but I've always just came from the heart. Mm. You know, I've always just, I've always just come from a place where like, I genuinely love your products. I genuinely love your company. And I just want to find a way to channel that some way, somehow. Being, yeah, being real and pure, like we've been talking about marketing a lot here within our organization and, and what it means to be a marketer and at its core, dude, I've kind of come to the, the realization that, dude, like marketing is just about offering value to people, being honest, being trustworthy, being authentic, mm-hmm. being real and offering value. It's really that simple. There's no yeah. tactics. There's no shortcuts. There's no hacks. There's no this is real life and this is how you go about it. 
you know, and that's and that's beautiful. And it's always nice when you ha- have a brand or someone that's willing to get behind you. Like like you yeah. had Sandis, Lexar was our first big like you know, and they're Joey. Still, and, and yep, and they're still rocking with us yeah. today. Lexar is still rocking with us today, and. You know, Lexar, when we did that gallery event and the meetup, we had a bunch of SD cards to give away. We had Mm -hmm. had that dope lounge we rented out. We had the music. We had the vibe. We had the prints. We had the mag. Yep. And, 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 you know, Lexar took a gamble on us and was like, we really love what you're doing and we're all about it. We support you guys 110% and we want to be involved and, and that was beauty. And that was, you know, like you, like we use their stuff and it was a very authentic yeah. relationship. And, you know, here we are almost four years later <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like, dude, Joey's a brother of mine, bro. Like that's, we, te- like, we text and we FaceTime yeah. all the time and same. Uh, it's, same. it's love, man. I'm a, I'm actually an, I'm a Lexar ambassador. So shout out to Lexar. Hey, hey. Lexar, shout out. Yeah. So, where's I mean, where's my DJ horn? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> but yeah i mean i only brought i brought up sanders because i was like my very first like yeah, big sponsor no, so sure. like, yeah I, uh, shout out to lexar lexar is you know joey's an incredible dude oh yeah he's uh, killing it bro yeah and yeah just like you know just the genuine having genuine friendships partnerships they yeah. they go a long way so 20x fast forward wow <laughs> like you've just been grinding Bow. All of a sudden, Andy freaking two, Adorama TV, Apple, beautiful destinations, Adobe, yeah. and Jalen have a series together. I mean, bro, you're on top of the world, bro. Like Andy two is everywhere. Tim Cook shouting Andy two out on Twitter, like you know, bro. That's gotta feel so good twice now, right? Yeah, that's the like, second time. Like, bro, that's crazy. Like, for a CEO of the most forward, you know, of one of the most forward-thinking companies of our era to take the time out of his day, bro, you know what his, you know what that tweet is worth, bro? Like, let's put a number on that tweet, like, what that value is, bro. Like, that's wild. It's, it's mind-blowing to hear the story from where we started two hours ago to where, yeah. to where we're at right now, bro. And yeah. life is beautiful bro you took a circumstance and through your own choices through your own thoughts of what you're thinking through the people you surrounded yourself with through the information and media that you chose to consume through the educational materials you chose to pick up all of those things combined have put you in this new york city apartment with a beautiful view and a studio dedicated to content creation and working with some of the top brands in the world, bro. Like, how does that feel? It's, it's incredible. I still, to this day, I'll, I'll look out and I, as cliche as it sounds, I had to like pinch myself. Like how the hell did I get here? (laughs) But just, just getting, just getting back to what you was talking about, how it feels to like be in this position now. Yeah. How does it? I, every night, I think every night before I go to bed, I, I count my blessings. Um, I'm grateful for the journey I've been on. Mm-hmm. There, there are some times where I do, I do get a little lost, mm-hmm. but we I always, do. we all do. Yeah, yeah. I always, you know, I find a way. I find my way back, and everything that we talked about, I remember those things clearly, very clearly, and this, 
it's one of those things where like remember how we were talking about earlier when you do, when you grow up not having much mm-hmm. you just appreciate everything a lot more as you get older mm-hmm. so everything that I got now I appreciate it I appreciate the people who you know like yourself who people who gave you a shot mm-hmm. right like those people who gave you a shot those people who believed in you mm-hmm. like I'm grateful for the opportunities that I was given to channel my creative energy through the people who believed in me, the people who didn't believe in me, you know, you've, you gotta have those too. Even your inner self, when you look in the mirror, it's like, who, you know, who am I doing this for? What am I doing this for? And, and I always trace it back to my grandmother. And when you get put in a position to do better, you're still just getting started. And yeah, I've been, you know, I've, I've, I've gone to work with like some pretty cool companies these past couple of years. <laughs> it's, I would have never imagined, you know, working with some of my dream companies like, like Apple yeah. or, or, or beautiful destinations or, or even just traveling around the world. Yeah. I, I just, I, I finished my first passport oh. uh, just recently and and that even that moment was like super surreal because I I didn't even hop on my first flight until I was like 21. So it's it was super later on in life where I started traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, didn't really have the money to do it. Mm. But now it's more about like what kind of stories am I trying to tell? Uh, what kind of messages am I trying to get across? Just recently, my most like one of my most recent uploads was one of my best friends being attacked by a police officer in Vallejo, and yep, that was powerful, man. I wanted I you know I put everything on hold so I could dedicate like three to four days to like really getting the story right, you know, really putting my heart and soul into something I believed in, right? And like, even though you know. I didn't get paid for it. It's it wasn't something I was seeking compensation for. But sometimes when you get put in a position to do something good or to, you know, spread a positive message, sometimes that energy takes over you and you do it because you love it. And I think it's beautiful, bro. It's a great way to give back. Like the way I looked at it, it's like, bro, you gave people that probably felt like they had no voice and no power, no way to bring light on a situation, and you gave them an outlet to bring a lot more awareness to a situation, you know? And, and I think as, as people, whether, whether it's people doing us wrong, whether it's the system, you know, yeah. treating us wrong, whether it's a brand or an organization treating us wrong, like there's, you know, there's been times where I've been taken advantage of, and, I've, and I felt so helpless. I'm like, I'm just like a guy what am I going to do to Best Buy? Like, they totally just screwed me over. But, like, what am yeah. I What am I going to do to Best Buy? And it, mm-hmm. and, it, and it sucks to feel so powerless. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people around the world that find themselves in wrong, very wrongful situations where they feel so powerless. And it's mm-hmm. beautiful when you actually, you know, you have friends in places that have yeah. some, some draw to where they can, you know, have a platform or something to where they can bring awareness to your situation. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's, dude, that's, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's, I've, 
you know, even like after working with like all these companies, I always dedicate at least one or two campaigns a year to giving back. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I did it on my on my trip to to Africa with Beautiful Destinations. Uh, and the year prior to that, it was going to Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria mm-hmm. uh, and doing a collaboration with Sony. And I feel like it is almost like our moral responsibility as creators um, to create content for good once in a while. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be your main spiel, mm-hmm. but if you have a platform and you have a voice. And it's something you have, and you, and everyone believes in things, right? Everyone believes in different things. Exercise that voice to push something positive. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't even go, you, you don't even got to go out sprinting, and like you know, you don't you don't even got to come out hard, but like use your influence to to push something positive. Like we all have that in us. Right. And, and, and you don't even have to have a huge account. You could be anybody. Yeah. Influences and numbers, man. Just, yeah. You know. Yeah. So I have to pay tribute to, you know, beautiful destinations. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. 50,000 applicants. I remember when they, <laughs> the coolest job in the world. <laughs> and it had like that video, bro. Yeah. And that it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, this is a really good campaign. Like, yeah. This is good. Like, it's yeah. everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. And out of 50,000 people, bro, I know you made it down as a finalist. You made it to, like, the yeah. top 100. Yeah. Uh, and then it was you. Was it you and Sam Colder? Uh, Sam was Sam was already on there. Uh, who was the uh, other? Was it? It was Jacob. Jacob. Uh, I know James is also on there. And it was, it was just like a dream. So the co-founders... Jeremy, Nick, and Tom Johnson, that lifestyle that they were selling through that campaign was everything I could ever dream of. Right. Uh-huh. Traveling, traveling full time, working on campaigns, working with tourism boards. Like I was already working with tourism boards to like a smaller degree. Mm-hmm. I had my hand full of of uh, working on uh, traveling campaigns, but not to the capacity that they were doing it. They were always on the road, and you could see it through their content that they were posting. So when that campaign came out, I actually didn't really think anything anything of it. I thought, I seriously thought when I put my application in, like the Instagram post, I was like, oh, this, I don't, I don't think this is gonna do well. But on that post, I, you know, I pretty much, I laid out why I created, why, like what, why creating gave me so much joy and what I created for. And it was for my grandmother, always family first, every time. And after I put in my applications, a couple of months went by, didn't really think much of it. And then I get an email from, from the creative director and he's, he goes, Hey, you want to jump on the phone call at the time? See, I'm always with David and Zeke for some reason, but we're in, uh, we're in Hong Kong and I get that email I didn't really think much of it. And then we're in the Philippines and I get the interview and it's crazy because just like over a phone call and like the creative director, like talking to the John season and going over like some of my core beliefs and like how, like I always put family first, beautiful destinations. Actually, that is one of their core beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I guess when they heard that, that was sort of the deciding factor 
as just selecting me out of the 50,000 applicants. And that held true the whole time I was there. When I got hired, I pretty much had two weeks to pretty much pack my belongings in and book a one-way ticket to New York City in March when it was freezing. (laughs) (laughs) From the West Coast, from coast to coast. Yeah. So it's... New York wasn't even on the game plan, bro. Like mm. it wasn't, it was never a part of the vision board. It was never, you know, because we're West I Coast would've... kids, bro. West, like when you're from the West Coast, bro, you love the West Coast. Like you're like this home. I like, I, I trust me, I've heard New York's cool. Even if you visit, yeah. you're like it's chill, but like, yeah, you know, but this is, this is home. It's, it was home. Yeah. And just after living, I've been living here for, Close to in February, in March, it'll be two years. Uh-huh. After living out here for these past two years, I can never imagine living anywhere else. Just working with beautiful destinations full time has just challenged me in so many ways. Like, I was surrounded around some of the coolest creators I've ever met who were like just pushing the limit. Their work ethic was on point. Mm-hmm. Their, you know, everything that they believed in was on point. They were creating with the purpose and they worked together so well. And I was like, I was feeding off the energy. It was just coming, it's coming. It pushed me beyond the boundaries that I ever held for myself. Right. Like I didn't even know I was capable of producing quality content at value. It's not that these guys are creating good videos they're creating good videos consistently like on a day-to-day basis and i'm i was very i was very intrigued by that and intrigued by the by their flow and uh to this day my my relationship with with bd is like they're they're still my they're still my brothers like they're still my family and i still work with them like on a maybe like a yearly basis Mm -hmm. maybe like one or two things a year but they've taught me so much. Like the John C's, two incredible dudes. They created the company that literally changed my life, changed the, the the course of my life. And I'm forever grateful for the position that they put me in because it's, it's just led to so many positive things in my life. Bro, that's beautiful. So that was a really cool era outside of that most recent accomplishment you and Jalen launched a series on Adorama TV shout out to Adorama another hey. you know partner of ours amazing people very supportive of the community very supportive of creators and they value content and they value valuable content and it's really rad uh, to see you guys you know putting out your series like tell me about that experience yeah, as so Jalen, Jalen and I, we've always, for like the early stages of our relationship, we were trying to figure out like who we were as creators, and Jalen really, uh, her her career started taking off in the makeup and lifestyle field and YouTube, mm-hmm. and she pretty much figured out the sauce for YouTube because she hit like 100k subscribers even before we moved out of Oakland. So she was already on it. And mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I was fairly new to YouTube, but like still kind of doing it. And we always wanted to find a way or just like create, we always wanted to create a series to where we were sharing that sauce. 
that we sort of like stumbled upon. Mm-hmm. And I met, I ended up meeting Sal through an Adorama trip. We went to Cuba. Mm-hmm. It was my very first, it was my very first trip as a Sony ambassador about like two years ago. And for you guys, real the, quick, just so you guys that don't know, Sal is the creator of the Through the Lens series. And beyond being the creator of the Through the Lens series, he's, I'm not talking, he's like a production team. It's Sal. Like, Sal yeah. is Through the Lens. It's a one man team. Yep. And he travels and he shoots these amazing videos by himself. So, everyone out there that thinks you need some massive production team to shoot quality shorts and things like that. You don't. Nope. You just need the drive and the will to learn and to do it. Sal's an amazing dude. Mm-hmm. He's he's been on the podcast. Yeah, I love Sal. Yeah. Sal's like another brother of mine yeah. as well. So we got to bond over that trip in Cuba, right. and we've always been talking about like, yeah, let's do something together. Let's do something. But we just couldn't figure out like what it was that we wanted to do. So me and Jalen, we were on our way to China. We were working uh, with the tourism boards out there. And we were like, let's do a web series. Like, let's, you know, we've come to a position where, like, we're starting to work with, like, brands and big campaigns. And we're like, it would be really selfish of us if we kept, if we retained all this information, we kept it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it was like, all right, let's break down the seven-episode series and let's teach them everything we know. So we ended up creating the deck while we were out working with the tourism board uh, sent it over to Sal and Mary over at Adorama. They loved it. And mm. we love... Mary's awesome too, bro. Yeah, shout out to Mary. So yeah, th- we loved that they loved our idea. They fully backed it. Mm-hmm. And we got to work. And it was our... It was probably like one of our very... I want to say our very first like big campaigns that we worked on together. But it was one where... At the time, we were still living in our, um, it was like a 600, 500 square foot studio in, in New York, tiny space, just like trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. And, and the messages that we were trying to convey, it all happened because, I mean, it, it actually ended up working out because we were shooting everywhere. We were just documenting our journey uh, as we were going on these campaigns and as we were also learning at the same time. Uh, so if we date back like to the web series that we created last year versus like how much we've learned since then, mm-hmm. this if we would have dropped another one, it would be the content would be so much more different because you know things have changed, content has changed and like just but the fundamentals were always there. Right, right. And so we wanted to we wanted to come at an angle where like it was modern, it's relatable. And it was, it was, it was something that we truly believed in. Mm-hmm. So when that, when that happened, it was such a, it was a good moment because we got to celebrate together right. and got to work on like a campaign and it was like our baby. We right. got to, you know, create it and edit it and get it to the, get it the way we want it, <laughs> try to perfect it. But you know, like after you perfect something it's like it's not actually perfected (laughs) (laughs) but but, but Uh, from the outside too it's super cool because like we you know as as a admirer of your work and and your life and just all the the beautiful things that you share it's really cool to see you and Jalen and how your guys's relationship operates and it's like it's almost like this power couple it's like it's so cool (laughs) like you know what I mean like that's like a big move like doing something together is 
Yeah. It's cool because up until then, you guys obviously have like your own independent projects and things. You guys are working in the same field, but you guys are working on various different, you know, different things. And mm. that's how I felt. I'm like, dude, this is dope. Is this the Jay Z mm. and Beyonce of, <laughs> the, of, the, of, the, of the of the creator space? Like, you know, like I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, like to see where you guys are at a few years from now. And like, it's, dude, it's it's seriously, it's it's very, very exciting. What are you most excited about now now so i just actually right right before hopping on this podcast I scheduled a, a visit to the apple campus in in california so i get to i'm gonna get to meet the the iphone team which which i've already met but this is gonna be i guess i can't fully disclose uh what, what i'm gonna be doing but i'm gonna i'm gonna be there uh, mm-hmm. next month i'm really excited to go uh uganda is in the works mm-hmm. remember i was yep. i was telling you guys about like how every year i want to do at least one you know one nonprofit like passion project to get back so uganda uganda would be the destination for this year i hear that uganda is uh, beautiful bro I hear yeah viera from our team has been to uganda uh mm. and she has like nothing but amazing things to say so i'm stoked for you man yeah, I'm super super excited to be going uh, going going to China uh, in April. Uh, that's in the works. Cal State East Bay, my old college, hit me up to be a part of their 40 under 40 list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in my 20s, but like the, I guess this is the for, the 40 under 40. So that was like a that yeah. was. I mean, it's a state college, but I feel like that was a that was a pretty cool like recognition. I. I I'll take it. Yeah, I'll no, it. for sure. <laughs> take all them, all those W's. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to be filming this next week, and it's going to be not my full Oakland film, uh-huh. but this I'm gonna I'm gonna be dropping something that's pretty close to home nice. in, in these upcoming weeks. Good. Oh, that's exciting. Oakland. Some heartfelt content. Yeah, just to, just to give you guys an idea of kind of the treatment. I've always had this dream of owning a scraper on dubs. I don't know if you guys know what a scraper is, but it's just like a Cadillac. And, you know, it just it was prominent in the South, but it came over to the Bay Area. But as a kid growing up, I've always wanted a scraper on dubs. So I'm going to recreate that dream into a reality. And there's going to be a story behind it. And there's going to be some action there's going to be some there's going to be a storyline it's going to be on youtube it's going to you know it's going to be public for everybody to see and it's 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 going to be hot i'm you know it's it's going to be hot bro i'm so excited for it <laughs> this was yeah this is coming it's coming but it's do- like they're they're like to me that they're like bay area legends like yeah, they you know for sure they stood for something they believed in it they believed in their craft they stuck to it and they, you know, they seen they seen fruits of their labor. They've oh. been working hard. They've been working really. I've been following up on their story for a minute. They're, they're good. Absolutely. So to wrap up the podcast, you know, we, we normally leave the AOV community uh, with words of wisdom from the guests. So, you know, I know we you've been dropping nuggets, bro, all <laughs> all night long. But this this moment is just you leaving the AOV community with some love and some words of inspiration, bro. So whenever you're ready, you know, feel free to, to just spread the light. 
yeah, first and foremost, like rest in paradise to my grandfather. He always taught me to just try in everything that I do. Like it doesn't matter if you fail, just try. And that's always stuck to me through every single parts of my life. My grandmother, she taught me to treat people nicely, to be to be kind. And I, you know, I get that from her. Mm-hmm. And something that I learned for myself is to stay true and to never change for nobody. Just to be yourself, be your most authentic self. To, you know, everybody that you meet, don't put on a face. And I've never, you know, I've never been that dude. I've always just been myself. Mm-hmm. I've never tried, you know, try to be somebody else. Or I've just always tried to stay true to myself. I'm not really a quotable dude, but if you ever kicked it with me, it would probably be, you know, it'd be chill. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, from, you know, for me, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful, you know, I'm grateful to be on this podcast and be able to spread the light with you and your listeners. And uh, if I could, if I could represent anything just coming from the inner city of Oakland, I I hope that y'all continue to chase your dreams, to plant those seeds. And when like all goes wrong, water that seed as much as you could. Don't let that shit die as hard as it gets. Like just keep watering that seed. And I, I swear to you, you stick to that. Good things will happen to you in your life. Yeah, man. From the hood to the universe. From the hood to the universe, Andy too. <laughs> My dude. Wow. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is, if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcast, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to podcasts, all of the AOV presets are now free, so check out our website shop.artivisuals.com go get some free presets the artist presets are still for sale if you want to support the artist and you should support the artist uh, just know that that money goes to them and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure here in the next month so we're really stoked about that but go get some free presets and if you guys want to buy gear please support us help us out go to adorama.com peace